verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And I pray you'd help us as we look at this passage in Exodus 13. Lord, I pray you help my mind to be clear and help me to just focus for the next few moments on what needs to be done tonight and what we're focusing on tonight. And Lord, I do want to ask for my wife as she's in labor that you would uh, help her, give her the strength she needs, give her the grace she needs, and uh, help baby Elizabeth to come in the next few hours, Lord, and to be healthy and strong, that there be no complications, Lord. We ask, we ask that you would just uh, put your hand over her. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Exodus chapter number 13. And as we've been studying through the book of Exodus, I want to just point out a few things to you. If you could look down, uh, look down at verse number, just real quickly, look down at verse number 14, just to show you something. It says, And it shall be when thy son asketh thee in times to come, saying, What is this that thou shalt say unto him? By strength of hand the Lord brought us out from Egypt. I want you to notice the next phrase, the last phrase in verse 14. It says, from the house of bondage. As we've been studying the book of Exodus, one thing that we've uh, mentioned quite a few times is that Egypt often, and especially in the book of Exodus, but all throughout scripture really, Egypt represents the world. Egypt represents sin. Egypt represents bondage. And at, since you've been with us, you, 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 we just finished up the ten plagues. Last chapters, uh, 11 and 12, we talked about that tenth plague where the angel of the Lord came and, and uh, uh, slew all the firstborn of Israel and they, passed, they had to pass over there and all those things. And in chapter 13, we see the children of Israel uh, exiting Egypt. They're leaving Egypt. They're coming out of Egypt. And, you know, sometimes you read chapters like this and you think, oh, what is he going to preach about or what, what are you going to teach in that? But, you know, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And we can learn from all Scripture. And I just want to give you a few quick points tonight on the subject of exiting Egypt. Exiting Egypt. Point number one I want to give you, and I'm going to just give you real quick points tonight and not be very long. Point number one is that we can learn from Exodus 13 is why they were released. Why they were released. We read the whole chapter. Uh, skip down just real quickly to uh, verse number... Uh, where do I want you to go? go? Go to verse number five. Look what it says. And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites. Now I want you to notice something. The children of Israel are just now leaving Egypt. And as they're leaving Egypt, notice God doesn't miss a beat, He doesn't miss a step. He's already talking to them about the Promised Land. Now the Promised Land is a long ways away. From Exodus to the book of Joshua, we got a whole lot to go. Do you understand what I'm saying? But before they've even left Egypt, in verse 5, it says, And it shall be, when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee, a land flowing with milk and honey, that thou shalt keep this service in this month. Let me tell you something. I, I know I've said it before, but I want to say it again. The purpose and the reason that the children of Israel were brought out of bondage, the reason they were released from captivity, the reason they were released from slavery, was not so that they could have liberty. And praise the Lord for liberty. But that was not the purpose. The God had a plan for these people. He said, I brought you out of the house of bondage so that I can bring you into the promised land. Let me tell you something. That's how it always works with God. The reason they were released, the purpose of their release from bondage was not to sit, was not to, to, to just stand there and do nothing, but was to walk in faith and go in and conquer and take over 
You're like, what does that have to do with us today? We'll go keep your finger there in Exodus 13 because we're going to come back to it. But go with me to Acts chapter number 26. Acts in the New Testament. Acts chapter number 26. You've got the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter number 26. Look at verse number 15. In Acts 26, we find the Apostle Paul giving his testimony. One of the greatest Christians who ever lived. One of the greatest uh, missionaries who ever lived. And he's giving his testimony and and he's telling us what the Lord Jesus Christ had said to him when he got saved. And if you look there at verse number 15 in Acts chapter number 26, the Bible says, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Now I want you to make note of that word purpose. The Lord Jesus Christ appeared to the sinner, uh, Saul, and he said, Saul, here's why I appeared to you. Here's the reason why I came. Here's the purpose. He says, I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. And he says, here's, a, here's why I saved you, Paul, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee. Look at verse 17. He's telling Paul, here's your purpose, Paul, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith, that is in me. The the Lord Jesus Christ was telling the Apostle Paul, I saved you Paul, for a purpose. I saved you for a reason. And you say, Pastor Jimenez, what are you trying to say? Here's what I'm trying to explain to you, and hopefully, if you've read your Bible, and I'm not going to take a, a show of hands, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you've ever read the Old Testament, and you've ever read, isn't the book of Genesis just an exciting book? In the Bible. Those of you that were with us on Sunday night when we preached through every verse in Genesis, isn't that an exciting book? Then you get to Exodus, and it's kind of exciting, everything we've seen so far, right? But you know, when you start getting into Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right before you get into the book of Joshua, it starts getting a little depressing. It starts getting a little sad. You say, why is that? Well, the book of Joshua is a very exciting book because the book of Joshua is when the children of Israel go into the promised land. They begin to conquer the land. They begin to, uh, you know, uh, the walls of Jericho come down and they have all these victories and all these great war stories and different things. But, you know, the mistake that the children of Israel made, and we'll learn more about it as we study the book of Exodus, is this, that God... From the moment, from chapter 13, when he brought them out of bondage, he said, here's why I brought you out of bondage. Here's why I brought you out of Egypt. So that you can go in to the promised land. And he named the the, the people, he said, so you can go in and conquer the Hivites, the Jebusites, and these people and that people. He said, I saved you for a purpose that you can do something. But here's the problem. They disobeyed. They got scared. They got afraid. They never went into bondage. And you know the story. What did they do for the next 40 years? They just walked in circles in the, in the desert. Let me tell you something. Go, you can go back to Exodus 13. And let me tell you something. You, you want to know why so many people live a defeated Christian life? So often people, you know, uh, they, I mean, you, you look at them and you think, if that's what salvation does to you, I don't, I don't want to be anywhere near that. You know, we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord in our hearts. But some of us forget to tell our face that. You know what I'm talking about? And so many people live a defeated Christian life. So many people complain and are just upset and are sad about, you know, this is too hard. What God asks of me is too much. And I can't do this in church, really. You're in some sort of a cult. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Are you serious? You know, reading the Bible and praying and living righteous. And you say, you know why people have that mentality? Let me tell you something. Because 
walking in circles. In the desert. That's your Christian life. Because here's the thing. God did not save you. See, we have this idea. God saved me. Now I don't have to worry about it. No. God saved you to serve. God released you from bondage so that you can conquer something. So you can fight something. So you can go somewhere. So you can do something. And that's the only time your life is going to get exciting. And your life is going to find purpose. You're going to find purpose when you actually do something. But so many of us, you know, well, God saved me. What's wrong with my life? What's wrong with your life is you're doing nothing. What's wrong with your life is you're in the wilderness. You're scared to conquer. You're scared to fight. You're scared to go. God brought you out of bondage, my friend. Here's why. To take you into the promised land. But you refuse to go. You're too scared to go. And you've got to understand that He doesn't release... See, we think, God released me from bondage so that I can no more have addiction, so that I can no more have financial problems, so that I can no more have marital problems, so that I can no more have problems with my children. Look, praise the Lord for that, but that's all just... That that's just happens with God. That's not why He saved you. He saved you to work. He saved you to serve. He saved you to conquer. He saved you to take some land and make some progress, to do some... There's a purpose. The Apostle Paul found purpose in service. And you'll never live a fulfilled life. You'll constantly be trying to fill that void in your life with alcohol, with drugs, with sex, with fornication, with whatever it is. Until you realize that God saved you for a reason. Amen. And that reason wasn't to sit. That reason wasn't to, to just walk around in the wilderness and, and, and wish you could go back to Egypt. That reason, look, look at verse number 5 again. I mean, the people haven't even walked out of Egypt yet. And God is saying... And it shall be when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites. God's already saying, hey, get your focus right. Get your head right. We're moving forward. Let me tell you something. In your Christian life, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. If you're not moving forward, you say, well, I'm not moving at all. No, you're sliding back and you just don't realize it. You're constantly, it's a, the Christian life is a battle. It is a fight. You've got to march on. You've got to go forward. You've got to do right. I said, number one, why they were released. They were released to go into the promised land. Number two, I want to show you why they should remember. Look at verse number three there. Verse number three in Exodus 13. The Bible says, And Moses said unto the people, Notice this word, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you up out from this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. Skip down to verse number eight. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a, notice this word, sign unto thee upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes, that the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. For with a strong hand hath the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. I said, number one, God released them for a reason. And number two, they had to remember for a reason. Said, so remember what? Now let me tell you something. And just go with me just real quickly. Go to the New Testament book of Philippians. Philippians. And go to chapter number three. And we gotta be very careful when we start talking about this, because you gotta understand exactly what we're saying. Philippians in the New Testament, chapter three. You know, the Bible teaches us. And the Bible taught and, and God told the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, he said, I want you to remember. Where you came from. I want you to remember the bondage you were in. I want you to remember the slavery you were in. Now here's the thing. Here's where we as Christians take it too far. We want to remember 
so that we can beat ourselves up with it. We want to remember so that we can throw ourselves a pity party. We want to remember so that we can be taken over with guilt. Philippians chapter number 3, if you look at verse number 13, the Apostle Paul again, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. He said, Forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. That is God's will for your life. If you're going to beat yourself up over the past, and beat yourself up over things you can't, you know, go back and redo. You can't go back and, you know, you can't go back and make up for all the bad things you've done. It's in the past. Just forget about it. But let me tell you something. There is something very healthy of setting up some structure in your life. And if you go back to Exodus 13... God told the children of Israel there, He said, I want you to set up some signs, I want you to set up some some traditions, I want you to set up a few things that we're going to do, because I want you to remember where you came from. He said, when you get, He said, first of all, I release you so you can conquer, but when you get to where you're going to conquer, I want you to remember where you came from. He said, don't forget it. He said, don't forget Egypt. Don't forget the bondage. Don't forget the, the slavery. Don't forget the pain that was there. Don't forget all that. Say, well, why? Here's why. Look at verse 8. And thou shalt show thy son in that day. See, you know what happens in, in Christian homes? Let me just break it down to you real quick. Here's what happens. Adults who were not raised in Christian homes, or were raised, or maybe they were raised in Christian homes, but, but, but as teenagers or whatever, they rebelled, went off into sin, became the prodigal son, came back from that, finally came to the end of themselves, came back with some scars, came back with some baggage, got right with God, got saved maybe, got right with God, started living for God, and it's very easy for them to remember the pain. But you know what happens? So often those first generation Christians will raise young people who never saw the alcohol in the home. Who never saw the drugs, who never saw the cursing, who never saw the fighting, who never saw the pornography, who never saw the sin. But we fail as parents, let me tell you something, to remind our children where we came from. And then those kids grow up and and, and they leave home. And they've got to try the drugs, and they've got to try the sex, and they've got to try all on their own because we failed as parents, and we failed as preachers, and we failed as a generation of Christians to be able to explain, see, we ought to live our lives in a way where our children will ask, why do we do that? Mom, why do you go to church? Or Dad, why do you read the Bible? Or, or, or why do we have these standards? Or why do we dress this certain way? Why do we look this certain way? Why don't we go there? Why don't we do that? You ought to live your life in a way where your children would ask, what's the purpose for this? And you can say, well, let me tell you what God did for me. Because I can remember the pain and the, and, and the heartache and the bondage. But when we, don't re- when we don't remember, here's the thing. When we don't remember, we don't remind. And when we don't, look at what it says. Look at verse 8. And thou shalt show thy son in that day, saying, This is done because of that which the Lord did unto me when I came forth out of Egypt. And it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand, and for a memorial between thine eyes. Look what it says. That the Lord's law may be in thy mouth. You know what ought to be coming out of your mouth, Mom? You know what ought to be coming out of your mouth, Dad? The, law, the Lord's law. The Word of God. 
But unfortunately, all that comes out of our mouth is television, is sports, is complaining, is finances, it's this and that. And, and, and then, you know, all we teach our kids ever is about worldly things, is about, you know, the, the world's things and the world's finances and what's wrong with this and what's wrong with that and why I can't do this and why I can't do that. And then we wonder why our kids grow up to not do this and not do that. Where if you just walk in God's law, you'd walk in some courage, you'd walk in some biblical statutes, if what your kids heard coming out of your mouth was to fear the Lord with all thine heart, lead not unto thine own understanding, in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path, then maybe it'll make it to their heart, but they never hear it from mom and dad. Why? Because we don't remember where we came from. See, He released you for a reason, but He asked you to remember for a reason. I said, number one, He released you. I said, number two, you should remember. Number three, I want you to see what God requires. You're there in Exodus 13. Look at verse 1. If you're keeping track, we're going to preach on every verse here, but we're not doing it in order. Look at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast. Notice what He says. It is mine. Now, it's very interesting. Because what just happened in Exodus 11 and 12? Do you remember? The 10th plague. What was the 10th plague of Egypt? God came in and He slew what? The firstborn of every household. And only who was spared? Those who partook of the Passover, the children of Israel. Now here's very interesting to me. Exodus 11 and Exodus 12, God kills the firstborn. Exodus 13, verse 1 God requires the firstborn. Do you see that? Look at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Sanctify unto me all the firstborn, whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast. Notice what he says. It is mine. Skip down to verse number 11. Look what he says. And it shall be, when the Lord shall bring thee into the land of the Canaanites, as he swear unto thee, and to thy fathers, and shall give it thee, that thou shalt set apart unto the Lord all that openeth the matrix. Notice what he says. And every firstling that cometh of the beast, which thou hast, the male shall be the Lord's. And every firstling of an ass, thou shalt redeem with a lamb. And if thou wilt not redeem it, then thou shalt break his neck, and all the firstborn of man among thy children shalt thou redeem. Now here's what's very interesting. God killed the firstborn of, the children of, of, of Egypt, and God spared the firstborn of the children of Israel, but then the next chapter, God says, give me the firstborn. And I want you to understand this principle in the Bible. Go with me just real quickly to Romans chapter number 12. Romans, in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. You've got to understand this principle in the Bible. God expects what He spares. God expects what He spares. You say, what, what does that mean? Here's what that means. God spared their firstborn son, and then the next chapter, God expected their firstborn son. He said, they're mine. He said, give them to me. And let me tell you something. You're there in Romans 12, look at verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies, notice what it says, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. See, the Bible tells us that God expects our bodies as a living sacrifice. You say, why is that? Well, keep your finger there in Romans 12 and go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. It's the next book in the Bible after the book of Romans. 
1 Corinthians chapter number 6, look at verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Notice what he says. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Look what it says. Which are God's. Let me tell you something. God expects what He spares. You say, Pastor, Amen. I got saved. Amen. I got taken out of Egypt. I got taken out of bondage. I was spared from the judgment of hell. I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and God gave me eternal life. He forgave me of my sins. He spared me as an individual. I now have a home in heaven. But let me tell you something. When God spared you, He expects you. When God saved you, He says, no, give you to me. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present not your Sunday morning. God, I'm going to offer you my Sunday morning. Every Sunday morning is yours. He says, I don't want your Sunday morning. Okay, God, I'll give you my Sunday morning and my Sunday night. I don't want your Sunday morning Sunday night. I'll have my Wednesday night then. I don't want that either. Saturday, soul winning? Getting closer. <laughs> what do you want, God? He says, I want you. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. See, it would be easier for you to trust God and walk in faith towards that promised land, towards that conquering, and, and you'd quit complaining about, how, how it's so hard to live the Christian life, and it's so hard, yeah, it's so, it's so hard to not go to hell, right? It's so hard to have your sins forgiven. It's so hard to be spared from the judgment of sin. But we, we'd have a better understanding if we realized that we belong to God. When He spared us, He expects us, He expects us as a sacrifice. He spared the firstborn of the children of Israel, and then the next chapter He says, Give me the firstborn, they're mine. And when God spared you, He said, Give me your body, you're mine. 1 Corinthians, look at it again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God. It will be easier to get your clothing under control and, and submit to what the Bible tells you you ought to dress if you realize the body's not yours. It would be easier to get your mouth and your tongue under control and to not say things you ought not say and to not gossip and to not curse and to not swear and to not take the Lord's name in vain. It would be easier to control your tongue if you realize that's not my tongue. It'd be easier to give if you realize that's God's money. It is the Lord that gives us the strength to get wealth. It'd be easier to go soul It'd be easier to give your time. It'd be easier to do everything that God expects you to do if you realize that you belong to God. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. That's what He requires. Now, that's not what it, that's, the average person today doesn't want to hear that. The average person today wants to be patted on the back. You made it to church once a month. You're doing good. Go off and feel better. And God says, not even close. Notice, He said, it is your reasonable service. People say, well, I get, if I sell out and I give myself out to God like that, people are going to think I'm an extremist. God says, it's reasonable. And it is if you compare it to what He did for you. Why you were released. Why you should remember. What you are required. Number five, or number four... Go back to Exodus 13. I'd like you to see something. I'd like you to see how you are routed. Exodus 13. Look at verse number 17. 
Very, very interesting. Exodus 13. I'm, all, I'm out of time. Good night. Okay, we've got to be done in like two minutes. Exodus 13. Look at verse number 17. Exodus 13, verse number 17. Exodus 13, 17. The Bible says, I'm in Leviticus, that's why I'm having problems. Exodus chapter 13, verse number 17. Look what it says. And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that, notice the next two words, God led them. Not through the way of the land of the Philistines. No, I want you to notice this. Don't miss this, okay? God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. I want you to see something. There was a route they could have gone that was closer, a more direct route. It was a near route. It was an easier thing. But God chose to not leave them that way. Notice what it says. Although that was near, for God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about. That word about, do you ever been in the military? Remember, about face. What does that mean? Turn around. It means to go, he bled them about, he brought them around through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And by the way, that's going to be a problem. Next chapter, stay tuned. And the children of Israel went up the harness out of the land of Egypt. Now here's what I'm going to say. God routed them a certain way. You say, well, the, the, the way of the Philistines was easier, yes. But God knew that these people who just came out of the bondage were not ready for that route. You understand that? If they would have came across the Philistines, they would have had to fight the Philistines and God deal. If they get in a war right now, they're going to go back. They're going to return to Egypt. They're not going to be ready for it. So God said, I'm going to take them around the wilderness. It's going to be a little inconvenient. It's going to take a little longer. It's going to be a, a, a little more time. But it's going to be better because that's what they can handle. Let me tell you something. When God brings you out of bondage, you say, why, why is it that God's leading me in this way? God, wouldn't it be easier to do this? Well, see, God may know that you can't handle that yet. Well, God, wouldn't it be easier if you just did this and this? Why are you making me? This is going to take longer. I, I know, but maybe God knows in the way He leads. Maybe God knows the way He's routing you and the way He's taking you and the way He's leading you. And He knows what you can handle. He knows what you can take. The Bible says there are no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear. You say, well, the wilderness is too hard, and there's a Red Sea there. Don't you understand? We're going to be trapped. I think God will take care of that. You just have faith. You say, well, it's, it's, it's closer with the Philistines, but you can't handle that right now. Now look, one day, David, you'll be able to handle that. One day, you know, remember the story of David and Goliath, the Philistine? Hey, one day, you can handle the Philistines, but today, you can't handle the Philistines. Let's go this way. Say, what can we learn from that? You can learn to just trust God. Just let, you say, but this is longer, this is inconvenient. I see a faster way, God, and God says, yeah, but I see the way it's going to produce the most. And it may be inconvenient, it may take a little while longer, it may be harder, but it's the way you should go. Number five, and I'm done. I want you to see what refrains us. Look at verse 19. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he has straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away from away hence with you. I'm not going to go through and talk about Joseph again. We spent a long time preaching on Joseph when we were in Genesis. But if you remember, Joseph brought the children of Israel. That was God's will. But I prove from the Bible that they were not supposed to stay there. They were supposed to leave. 
Jacob was not supposed to die there. Joseph was not supposed to die there. Joseph died in Egypt in disobedience to God, and the children of Israel paid because of it. Remember when Joseph died? What happened? Exodus 1, there came a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph and put the children of Israel in bondage. But let me tell you something. Every time you leave Egypt, you always carry baggage with you. Even the children of Israel, as they left, they had to carry bones with them that slowed them and refrained them on the way. And you teenagers and you children out here, you, you get this attitude, well, my mom tried drugs and my dad did this and they did that and they turned out fine. Yeah, what you don't know is that you can go spend time in Egypt all you want, Joseph. You can go live in Egypt all you want. And you say, well, I'll come out eventually. But when you come out, you always come out carrying something. You always come out with bondage. You always come out with baggage. You always come out carrying something that's going to slow you down. It'd be better if you just bypassed Egypt and gone straight to the promised land. You... Always have something that refrains you when you stop at Egypt. Remember when Abraham stopped by Egypt? He said, well, Abraham was fine. He stopped down by Egypt. God punished, God, you know, scolded him. He went back to the promised land. Yeah, but do you remember what did he bring back with Egypt, from Egypt with him? He brought a maidservant that he ended up committing adultery with and brought Ishmael. Do you remember that? What happened when Abraham went out to Egypt? Lot got a taste for Egypt. And then when Lot saw the well-watered plains of Sodom, he said, they're like the land of Egypt. How do you know that? Because you spent time in Egypt. Let me tell you something. When you spend time in Egypt, when you spend time in the world, you'll always carry baggage with you. It'll always slow you down. I heard somebody say this. They said, all of us have baggage. Find someone who loves you enough to help you unpack. And that's our life. You know, everybody has baggage in their life. Everybody has sin in their life. And and you say, well, well, what can we do? Well, you come to Verity Baptist Church. We'll help you unpack that stuff. And we'll help you get rid of that stuff. And we'll help you the best we can. But let me tell you something. You'll always walk with scars. You'll always walk with baggage. You'll always have something to remember when you spend time in Egypt. Say, well, can God help me with that? Of course God can help you with that. But you'd be better off to just bypass Egypt. Bypass the world. Bypass the bondage. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for our church. And Lord, even though we were fast tonight and quick, I pray that your word would be used in our people's lives. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen.